Hi, Tori Lynn Leibovic, born and raised Los Angeles. I'm 29, born into a loving Jewish liberal family in a Jewish LA bubble. Now I'm living in New York, which is, um, didn't realize how much LA wasn't my city until I moved to New York. And New York is 100% my city now. I love it, the energy, everything. My go-to party trick, a party for me is a bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah, or a wedding. Those are where I jam. That's where my family's on the dance floor till the very last minute. So I've created, ever since bar and bat mitzvah times, my sisters and I have, Footloose always usually comes on back in the day. And we will lead the entire wedding party in Footloose. I enjoy it so much that I will go so far as to request Footloose and then lead all 300 people on the dance floor in the choreography of it. I bet people love that. And that's that's my party trick. Arguably, people might go come back from that wedding and be like, this was the highlight of my wedding. What is borderline personality disorder and how does it manifest? So I was like, no anxiety, no depression as a kid. That was obvious to my older parents in hindsight. Hindsight's always 2020 and like, me not hanging out with friends on a Saturday night, probably a major sign that I had some sort of anxiety and depression. It didn't kind of come about until college, which I feel like it does for a lot of people, especially for the youngest sibling. I was also a very quiet child. So I didn't talk till I was three. I was very shy. I hid behind my dad's legs. Anyways, went to college, anxiety, depression came out, you know, went on pills, saw a psychiatrist, saw a therapist, did, it wasn't like, out of this world, mental health. What is this? I'm scared to talk about it. My oldest sister went through some things as well. Who's eight years older than me. They're, we're all four years apart. Um, so it wasn't like a new phenomenon to me. It was like, I have this, my brain chemistry is different. I need this pill to take it. And the end, mm-hmm. there's only so much a pill can do. Mm-hmm. And so that started 2012, 2013. And then about a couple years after college, so 2017, 2018, after my my boyfriend and I broke up and I had lost a lot of friendships, I went to my psychiatrist. I was like, this is not anxiety and depression. This isn't it because I know people with it and I am having behavioral issues and relationship issues and they're repeating and I'm just exhausted at myself and how I react to these situations in not as eloquent of a way. Um, I thought I was bipolar because that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. And my psychiatrist is not, you're not bipolar. You you have very much borderline of the borderline personality disorder, something I had never heard before. And basically borderline personality disorder to get to your original question. I talk a lot. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Is basically bipolar, which most people know is And this is, I always want to preface, I am not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. These are my words. I could be saying things that are a little off, Mm -hmm. but from what I've learned and intaked over 10 plus years of therapy is that bipolar is much elongated downs and elongated highs, whereas borderline is very quick switches. Mm -hmm. I could be low, low, low in the morning, but 30 minutes later, I could be at my highest. And it's very quick emotional reactions to social situations. And basically, once I was diagnosed, I honestly, one of the best days of my life, I was like, there's an answer. It's not just anxiety and depression, which isn't not just something, but let's face it, we all have that. 
And what I had was not what everyone else had. So from that, she's like, you should do DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy, which is a cousin of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, which a lot more people know about. What frustrates me the most is that it should not have taken such an extreme diagnosis to be introduced to DBT (laughs) because DBT literally changed my life. I think it can change the lives of our entire society. If you really take the time to learn it, it's a very simple, it's out on my counter right now, not even in prep for this interview. I just have it out and it is a textbook that basically, so my DBT program was group therapy once a week and individual therapy once a week. And instead of going into my therapist, like I would usually do and sit on a couch and ruminate for 50 minutes and say, my mom did this, my sister did this, I lost this friend. She'd be like, no, you get to choose one event for this Uh 50 minutes and we're gonna break down exactly what happened in this event. Mm. What was the event? What was your emotional reaction? What was your behavioral reaction? And then what was your secondary emotional reaction to that event? And then what skills have we learned so far in the book to help you next time it happens? Um, So DBT is broken down into four modules and it's all based around mindfulness. And then it teaches you interpersonal communication, distress tolerance, and emotional regulation. It's about a six month course. I've done it twice. It's just layman terms, simple social things. It's like, no, your friend isn't ignoring your text. They're in the shower. They are driving. You have no factual proof that they hate you right now, which is what my brain is telling me. Mm-hmm. And so you just have all these little life skills that right. you apply and it's just repetitive and keep learning and keep learning it. And basically we all have two minds, a rational mind and a emotional mind in a Venn diagram. And your emotional mind is your very quick reactions to things. Um, high highs, low lows, and rational, reasonable is very black and white thinking. Like there's no gray area at all. And in the middle is your wise mind of the Venn diagram. And so my question to me is always every day, like what would my my wise mind do? Like Mm -hmm. is I did something wrong? Is asking for forgiveness five times really in my wise mind? Or am I just seeking validation from that person to let me out of my own guilt? Mm -hmm. And that was my tangent. (laughs) Tangent. Um, yeah. I've heard of DBT and I've been recommended it for just, it, it does seemingly feel like it is life skills. Like it, it Lyham is the best human in the world. It's life skills. It is. And one time I was like, I don't know whether to like confront my friend about my feelings about this. And my friend was like, here's a worksheet for DBT to, to decide if this should be brought up or not. And I was I like, wow, because we're told to like speak up for ourselves or we're told to not speak up for ourselves. We're not really taught how to do it and when and when is a good time to do it or something, you know, that's just a very specific example. It's really awesome to hear something so powerful like DBT has been so helpful for you after getting your diagnosis. And I also find it so interesting, like your self-awareness to be like, something is wrong. I need help. I'm not just depressed. I'm not just anxious. There's something else going on. And I just, I feel like so many people are not gifted that self-awareness. How did this self-awareness develop? I think it was exhaustion and how many times I could lose a friend over, over texting, over a very minuscule thing, over promising something. And then, and then the plans change, plans change are not an easy thing. And, um, 
just the guilt, just living in the guilt. And it just, I just, I didn't snap, but I was like, this is not like, this is not it. This is not sitting on a couch for 50 minutes and crying is not going to change the thing. Cause I've done it five times now in the last six months. Right. That's why I want my life. One of my life goals is to put this into schools because it's just, yeah. it, it needs to be a curriculum. Yeah. I mean, gosh, just like you said, everyone can benefit despite right. their, what they're going through. Right. You break it down. It's just like, we all kind of have it. And it's just like, what extreme are you on to say you aren't anxious after you text a friend, a very serious thing, and then don't hear back from them for a day. If that doesn't cause you anxiety, like Bravo, like, bravo, <laughs> like, I don't understand how that does it. Because even with my bestest friends, knowing there's no way in hell they're ignoring me, my brain will still, and I will send a text later, like, after they respond, being like, my brain's such an asshole. Like, I, I know you weren't ignoring me. She's like, I'm just happy that you told, it's just talking and communicating, honestly, is the basis of this all. And I shared with my friend, I was like, my brain was telling me that you were ignoring me. Like, I know that wasn't true. She's such a, yeah. a bitch sometimes, like my brain. Yeah. On that note, like, what is your daily life like? And like, how have your relationships changed since practicing DBT and being diagnosed? Since practicing DBT and being diagnosed, I just, uh, I know it's so simple. I just have this, I, I mean, I believe I have the skills in situations, that's not to say that I'm not gonna, a big thing for me personally was over texting. If something went wrong, over texting, and then I've over texted. So now I need to apologize for over texting. And it's like, as my therapist says, like, you're taking too much money out of the front bank right now. And that's what I just kept doing because I was putting my shame and guilt onto my friends who needed to validate my feelings and um, say to me that it's okay that I'm feeling this way. Mm. But really that was just increasing this fuel of it's okay to like not beg, but manipulate to get that validation, even Mm. though you don't need that validation from them. Right. I mean, Um, everyone can relate to that. Like when everyone's triggered and they're bummed about something and then you just want someone to be like, I hear you and I see you. Cause like, that's what you wanted your mom or your dad to do when you were little, yeah. like your feelings are valid, Yeah. but it's like kind of takes away the self-soothing aspect of being like, I'm feeling bummed right now. And I don't necessarily need someone to validate that someone hurt my feelings or anything like that. I mean, this is a lesson for myself. I'm like, I'm constantly looking for someone to be like, I hear you. <laughs> right. And that's not a bad thing. Validation's great. Everyone deserves validation, but it's just like, you've already apologized once and they said they accepted you. Mm. Why are you going to do it three more times? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's not even getting into my brain. It's like, you've mm-hmm. said it, Tori. Like it may not be the grand, I accept your apology, mm-hmm. but you've said it. And they said they'd accepted it. And that's the fact of it. And you, that's all you have to go off of. What your brain is trying to tell you is like, no, they don't, they didn't really accept it. They're still mad at you, but those aren't facts. And so like one of my favorite uh, skills is check the facts. And it's literally that. What are the facts in this situation? Uh, Another one is cope ahead. Uh, I went to a bachelorette party a couple weeks ago in Nashville with 20 women not my type of 
my scene. Um, <laughs> I'm usually the extrovert. Uh, I'm really good one-on-one. Give me that deep dive conversation, but small talk in a group of 20 women, not my, mm-hmm. not my thing. And I had to cope ahead for that and just mm-hmm. mentally prepare and know when I was overwhelmed. Like usually the bride there was, is my go-to, my best friend who like will help me in a corner on our own girls trip. And I'm like, I don't have that support this weekend. Mm. And I had to learn how to like, just take a break and right. it's fine. There's 20 other women to entertain her. Yeah, You can go sit in a corner and like then, but then after the fact for a week, I was like, oh, did she see? Like, did she think, did she think like, oh, Tori was in a mopey mood. Tori, I had to take care of Tori. Tori was this. Why wasn't she so extroverted? And my brain was like, all these things that just weren't true. Yeah. But just communicate. And I'm a communications major. So, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, that's not to say you can do that with a new friend you meet, but someone I've known since I was two, I'm like, look, Talia, like, I really hope you didn't notice. Sometimes someone will say something and it's like tears straight to the eyes. I have no control. I took all the energy I could at 12 PM in Nashville in a bar while my bride friend is riding a bull not to break down and cry because mm-hmm. my other friend said something. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, you're not going to do it. You're not going to go and talk to everyone and make this weekend about you. You're just uh-huh. going to get all the skills you can and figure it out. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, but this is also what we're in 2022. I started this in 2019. So, Yeah. Life is practice. We have no choice, but to practice if we want to get better at something. It's like, it doesn't, most things don't come naturally. No, it's also perfection for me. It was a huge sign of my BPD as well. Mm. Um, Perfectionism, OCD of relationships Mm. and needing to have all the answers. So right into dating on the first date, I will ask everything and I will say things in a joking way with a, with someone who's done stand up before and as a hobby, but they're very real. Have I said to men on the first date where I know I want to be proposed to? Very much so. Have I had sex with a man? And then after we had sex, I said, so did you fall in love with me before or after you fucked me? Very much so. Mm-hmm. Have first dates turned into three days or five days? Very much so. I, I'm just a very honest person. Uh, on, like I'm, I'm just honest from the get-go. And if you don't like how big my personality is or something on the first date, I'm like friends say to me, like, yeah, I've been going out with this guy like six or eight times. I still don't really know much about him. And I'm like, I don't understand what that means Mm -hmm. because they will know everything about me on the first day, at least the basics. Mm -hmm. And by that, I'm getting to know them just as much. Like, let's go, let's have the deep dive conversation first. Like, why am I going to waste six months of my life pretending to be the nice little girl? Mm -hmm. No, I'm, my brain is in, my brain is exhausting, as my mother has said when she hears me talk. She's like, wow, that's that's a lot. I was like, yeah, try being inside of it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I really only had one boyfriend in mm-hmm. my like real year and a half boyfriend. Other than that, it's been a lot of camp, a lot of two weeks, a lot of months or casual friends with benefits where nowadays in 2022, that means the guy comes over and you have a whole date night in your apartment and you get all of that emotional love from them, mm-hmm. but it's never going to go beyond that apartment. 
Mm. Whereas like, I just want to text the guy that morning and be like, or after work and be like, where are you come over? Mm -hmm. Like, let's just have the sex and be done. Whereas these guys with friends with benefits and just hookups, like still want the emotional Netflix and chill aspect. But if I give that to them, then I'm going to create a story in my brain. It's this fairy tale story of, can I see the chuppah with the Jewish wedding? Can I see the kids? Can I see it all? Do I have all the answers I know? Are you, is, is there a possibility you're okay moving back to California? And there's just these little things. And then, so I ask all the questions so fast, so I don't have anxiety about the unknown. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. We're having this talk now because I recently have met someone where I am doing everything a hundred thousand percent different than I've ever done it before. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm throwing that up to the universe and how I, our energies personally align with each other. So when I go on a date in New York, I'll most likely sleep. If I have a vibe, I'll sleep with the first person. I mean, you might as well get sex in and you might as well learn what you're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that could develop into something for a couple months um, on and off, or they'll, we'll talk about kids and we're both Jewish and we're both from LA and we live near each other in New York. So let's, let's create the fantasy. Mm-hmm. We have all the same alignments. Let's make this work mm. to them. To me, it's real. To me, everything I'm saying is very real to them. Usually it's, it's nice to say, but they don't have real meaning behind it. Mm. So sleeping with these people on the first date, I couldn't trust my emotions because I'd be like, I love them, but I don't want my kids to keep kosher. So I don't like that about them. Like we're going to have to negotiate on that. Like that's very minuscule detail that why do I care about that on the first week of knowing this person? Sure. Yeah. And so this new person I met is, uh, he was in New York and he matched with me. And a week later I matched back and I learned within two messages that he did not live in New York. Mm-hmm. He lived in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. If I see New Jersey or Queens, I'm not swiping. Like I'm not wasting my time with that. I want someone in my backyard around the corner. Mm-hmm. Quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I matched with him. And so we ended up talking that night. We had a conversation about what love is. Is it infatuation? Is it passion? Is it like, what is love? Can we trust our feelings? Like that was our first on the phone conversation. Mm-hmm. The next day we FaceTime. Next day we FaceTime. We decided to meet halfway in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, ran, got on a train, met him in Philly for the day, spent the day in Philly. We we couldn't have sex. We weren't, we would both very much sleep with each other if we went on a real date for the first night in mm-hmm. New York. But mm-hmm. because we were distance, our intimacy came from our communication. And our communication is the sexiest thing about both of us. Like mm-hmm. there was one time on the phone, I was trying to like explain my feelings, feelings and I was like, screw it. I just really need validation right now. That's what I need from you right now. And he's like, that's the sexiest thing I've ever heard. Like, nice. great. I'll give you more <laughs> that if that's, if that's it. That's great. I feel that this relationship compared to like, the other ones where you'd sleep with someone really fast and then create the fantasy based on like some little things. Does this relationship feel more grounded? And then do those feel more anxiety inducing? And then how did you handle the anxiety versus how do you feel now? So after with other 
people, I'd, we'd leave each other and then I'd text like, sorry, I was too much. Sorry, I was this. It was, it's always apologizing like, ooh, maybe I said the wrong thing. Uh-huh. Anytime I leave a conversation with this guy, I, and I said the word earlier in this, in this um, meeting is wise mind. And I don't have a single tattoo on me, but if I ever got one, it would say wise mind because it's your gut. It's your intuition. It's your level mindness, mindfulness, self-awareness of DVT learning. I feel like I am in full wise mind around this guy and I have no anxiety because I am in full confidence that with this time and patience that everything's going to work out. It's going to be patience and I'm learning patience and I'm not getting exactly what I want and I can't go over right away. And I trust my feelings. I, 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 I really trust my feelings because we couldn't start with sex. And with him, we just talk everything out and everything is like, okay, yeah. Like he came to New York a week and a half after meeting and then he asked me to be his girlfriend. I said, yes. A day later, we realized mm, that was a little quick. So we had a conversation about it and we're just like, uh-huh. yeah, I don't think either of us are ready to be boyfriend or girlfriend. You're building a business right now. You yeah. have no money. Yeah. You don't live here, but we know in due time, it will be okay. Me with any other human, bawling, crying, trying to convince them, why is this ending? And just hysterics. And with this person I'm aligned in my self-awareness and my wise mind and we just talk it out yeah so you think that's the difference like the direct communication and he's able to give you that and you're able to give him that so it just breeds like a safe trusting like also exciting comfortable dynamic it's the it's the number one thing it's just communication yeah and it's like there isn't any breakdowns it's like okay let's just talk this out and it's like I'm fine if it's doesn't go the way I want, because in the end, I believe that it's, it's, we're good. Like yeah. we have the communication and it's fine. There's no fear of loss. With yeah. this person. Right. So are you really upfront when you disclose about your mental health or do you just like let it evolve? Like, oh yeah. Um, it's interesting. You asked that. I feel like I am if I feel the openness from them, like I know on first dates, I very much have mentioned it. And I know on first dates, I've also felt hesitant to mention it. And that didn't make me feel good. Right. A huge part of my personality, but I know that the world doesn't, they're going to hear those. There's people in the world that are going to hear it and be like, Whoa, like, this should be great. Like a very scary word. Yeah. And BPD borderline personality disorder is, I think it's been thrown out a little. I think Pete, De- Pete Davidson has it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also rare for a male to have, not rare, but it's more in females than in men. So I do, uh, you ask that question. And I just remember, I don't remember the date exactly, but I remember being on a date and being hesitant to say it. And I think I did say it and they reacted in a, so like I felt before saying, it, I was like, I don't know how this, re- I don't know how it's going to go. It could also be with a Jewish guy and a non-Jewish guy. Mm. I think, Jews know about mental health. Mm. Yeah, I think it just depends on the environment. And can I, I, I am an empath and I do feel people's energies and emotions very strongly. And I know um, it's just an intuition with me really. But most, I would say 99% of the time, yeah. I also put it on my profile um, that I think I'm a DBT advocate. This is kind of a big one and answer it however you feel fit. 
you might've already answered it. What is your biggest life lesson to date? And like, what advice would you give like a past version of yourself? Radical acceptance is a big skill in DBT. Um, so like I, I moved across the country 30 days before a pandemic hit. I could have gone in a deep, deep hole, deep hole. My whole, all my plans are in. I turned to DBT and the skills and I was like, and radical acceptance is like, there is someone I really, an old childhood friend who I wanted to reconnect that friendship and they just didn't want to. And I had to radically accept that there is nothing I can do in my willpower to convince this person, to convince the world that we're not a pandemic. Um, and it's it's not an easy task. I On that relationship, sometimes I have to radically accept every day on it, mm-hmm. um, that it's just not going to happen. So that's one. Uh, one that I actually heard, it's not mine. I think I saw it on a TikTok or a reel or something, but it was a uh, advice from like older generation. And it was like, if, and I've been using it for the last couple of months, break your day up into four parts. So if the first part you sleep in, I, I, I like to sleep in, I didn't wake up till right before this society and my older generational parents think that's a failure. Mm. So, but I may not get up till 12, but I'm also working till three in the morning on my art. So, but anyways, you can break your day up into four parts. And if the first quarter you didn't do it, you, you'd had a lazy morning. Fine. You still have three whole parts of the day. First half. Okay. You still didn't do it. You still have a whole half of a day. We don't need all that time in the day to get things done. I actually do better on shorter time and more things to do at one time. This is why I disagree in the 40-hour work week. I don't need 40 hours to do this job. Totally agree. 40-hour um, work week was created for a man with a 1950s housewife. Break your day up into four parts. If the first couple parts aren't what you did, you still have a whole part or quarter that something can be done. Even if it's just picking up your dry cleaning, that's still something that needs to be done on your list. Even if it's just cleaning your apartment, you still did something. You may have not applied to all the jobs you said you were going to do or finished the project you've been having on your desk for uh, six months, <laughs> but you did the little things and it may have taken a lot of energy and it may to the to a billionaire not seem like anything, but to you, it was a huge accomplishment. There are some days where I sleep and I feel like shit and I should get up. I should get up. And then finally my DBT skills in and I do opposite action because you're, and this is a big one, your behavior changes your emotions. Mm-hmm. Your emotions don't change your behavior. Mm-hmm. And so you may not want to go on a run, but once you put those shoes on, your emotion is going to change from the behavior you just did. You wow. may want to sleep in bed and crawl under the corn covers all day long, but once you step on that floor and just go to the bathroom, you're going to change your behavior and your emotion. You're going to change your emotions from that behavior that you did. And yes, you may have not started till 3 p.m. in the afternoon. You still got a whole day to do something. Don't let society tell you your timetable. <laughs> that is fucking good advice. That's for literally everything. Life timetable, day timetable, all of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And I radically accepted during COVID that I'm not living the, the Jewish LA bubble lifestyle of college, get that career, find that husband, marry, have kids. I, 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 I accepted that that's not the path for me. 
and I'm okay getting married later in life. I'm okay if I don't meet someone and I have kids at 35 mm-hmm. and just re it's all retraining and reformatting and your brain and how you think you should be and what path you should be on. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I, a part of my brain saying, apologize for talking too much, but I'm going to some really good stuff to say. And this is, this is a space for you to talk. Like I'm interviewing you. So I want to hear what you have to say. And we got to keep talking about this kind of stuff. So feel understood and inspired. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for listening, reading, or watching the very first Body Talking interview series for Club Body Talk. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, and I know that after speaking with Tori, I learned a lot, and I found myself sharing what I learned with anyone who would listen. I want to end every single interview that we do with body talking with some self-reflective questions something tori mentions a lot in her interview is the question what does my wise mind say and if you need a refresher i will link a couple of dbt links to understand what that exercise entails another one is when making a decision does this decision align with my self-value and life goals Take some time to journal about these or write them in your phone for an easy access reminder or put them on the wall if you really connected with them. I find myself needing to reference things like this all the time to keep myself in check. And I just want to remind you that self-reflection leads to empowerment and pleasure.